Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Fireside Folklore episode of Stories of Scotland. I'm Annie and I'm a jolly pig doing a jig, waving a wig. And I'm Jenny, a merry swine, drinking wine, having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> this week we're looking at the power of the pig in Scottish folklore. It's the pig's chance to hog the limelight, and believe me, this animal is anything but boring in Scottish folklore. From the great wild boars who tormented the ancient giants to the humble swine who escapes and causes chaos around the marketplace. All these pigs have great style. <laughs> That's right, Andy, it's going to be one of those episodes. <laughs> well, let's hope we don't make a pig's ear out of it, Jenny. <laughs> so first, we're going to look at the mythological origins of boar in ancient Scotland. Oh, we're going to Jurassic Pork. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite that ancient, Jenny. Legend tells us that under the raging currents of the Corryvreckan whirlpool lies the home of the great sea gods. These gods lived in a world below the roaring waves. You may know that everything on the lands has a counterpart in the sea. These creatures mirrored one another. On land there were people, and so in the ocean there were merfolk. Underwater, there was the narwhal, which means, of course, on land, there was the unicorn. Everything was in perfect balance. Our mysterious underwater gods had their own civilization, and a key part to any West Coast Scottish Atlantis is, of course, the underwater farm. Amongst these farms, the sea gods kept the pride of their livestock, the fattest and jolliest animal that would always become the centerpiece of any feast. Of course, it was the sea pig. One of these lovely sea pigs was just going about her day 
snuffling around the ocean floor to find some sea truffles. She was foraging very diligently because she was a particularly hungry sea pig as she was pregnant with nine little sea piglets (gasps) and so she was eating for ten. And when you have to eat for ten pigs, that's a lot of eating, let me tell you. (laughs) Then her world was turned completely upside down because a great storm descended upon the underwater realm and the poor sea pig was caught up in the relentless power of the waves. She was swept far away from the comforts of the beautiful farm, away from the hopes of ever finding a sea truffle again, out of the reaches of Corrivrecken. Eventually the weather calmed, but it was too late for our sea pig, because she had been washed ashore and was out of reach of the tide. And it was at this moment, when she had first come onto the land, that she gave birth to her litter of nine sea piglets. But they were sea piglets no more, for they were now born upon the solid ground. This very hard-working mama pig grazed her nine piglets until it was time for them to forage their own path. And off they went, hunting for their own land truffles into the wilds of Scotland. And it's sad that all of the wild boar that were to come to Scotland are descended from these nine piglets that came from a mother pig who had lived once under the sea. Ah, what a wonderful way to begin. You know, technically sea mammals actually evolved from land mammals who had spent enough time in the water to regret the evolution of their legs. And they just went, you know what, back in we go. I mean, that's halfway through my current phase in life, Jenny. (laughs) I'm two-thirds seal as we speak. (laughs) It's interesting because in Gaelic, the word for whale is mukvara. And mukvara is also used in naming other sea mammals too. And if we literally translate that, it comes out as pig of the sea or sea pig. Aww. There's also actually a bay called Muk or Pig Bay, very close to Corryvreckan. So I wonder if that's maybe where it's believed the mama pig landed and had her piglets, and thus it was named Pig Bay. Else, that's a really weird coincidence. I don't know why, but for me it makes a lot of sense that all of the pigs come from Corryvreckan. Well, you know how the saying goes, Annie. It's like a pig in a whirlpool. Well, on that (laughs) troubling note, shall we wade into our stories, Jenny? (laughs) Out of this whirlpool. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) A long time ago, in a small village called Clachan, which is down on the Kintyre Peninsula, just south of Tarbert, there lived eight families, and each of them had a nice big pig. The families had lived on the land for generations, and all knew each other very well, and because of this, it was an incredibly tight-knit community. So tight-knit, in fact, that whenever it was time for one of the eight pigs to be slaughtered, all the families would come together, have a big pig celebration, and then the meat from the pig would be shared out equally amongst them. But there's always one bad apple. And while pigs may not mind bad apples, they don't sit well in small, tight-knit communities. Not at all. This bad apple's name was Crooked John. Crooked John was bent both in stature and in morals, 
and he hated the fact that he had to share his only pig with the whole community. It was his pig after all. And so Crooked John cooked up a plan. On the eve of his pig's slaughter, he slipped into his neighbour Jim's house with a proposition. Crooked John suggested that he hide his pig in Jim's house early the next morning. And when the time comes for slaughter, Crooked John's barn would be empty and he'd just tell everyone that his pig had been stolen. Then, once the hoo-ha had calmed down, the two of them could slaughter the hidden pig and share the meat between them. Now, if Crooked John's neighbour had also been called Crooked Jim, he would have had delighted in this plan. But alas, Jim was known as Jim, and he was no bad apple. Jim, like everyone else in the community, knew the value of sharing your own pig's meat. For while you may not get much, it meant that you also received meat from all the other pigs throughout the year, and it was this even distribution that kept the whole village afloat and the community in balance. And so, in the moment he agreed to Crooked John's plans and saw him on his way, but in the evening, Jim slid through the shadows and into his other neighbour's house. Here, he told the family inside of Crooked John's plan, and all were outraged. He then went to the other six houses and told them of the dastardly plan, and each time it was met with even more outrage, until between them, they too came up with a plan. In the dead of night, before the sun had even thought about rising, Jim and three others broke into Crooked John's barn and stole his pig. In the morning, Crooked John awoke early, ready to quietly hustle the pig over to Jim's house. But when he got to his barn, he was astounded to find it empty. Someone had actually stolen his pig! In a rage, he tore through the village, banging on every door, accusing everyone of stealing his hog and trying to cheat all the others of their fair share of meat. But lo, it wasn't until he had shouted himself blue in the face that Jim led Crooked John's beautiful pig out in front of him. The whole village gathered round, but they could not bear to slaughter the beautiful pig after what it had been through. And so, the old soul was allowed to live out her days roaming around the village and eating scraps. And Crooked John never got his share of rashers again. (laughs) Why, Jenny, what a lovely story about community ownership of pigs. (laughs) My tale is actually also one of a bad apple getting up to some cunning business. I've got a heist going on. Oh, so many bad apples we could make cider, Annie. If you're making cider from bad apples, I do not think I want any, Jenny. Man, I'll be honest with you. I just added yeast and left it in the corner of my kitchen for three months. And I don't think I want any either at this point. (laughs) (laughs) You've committed enough time to it now, Jenny. You have to at least try it. I'm going to have a big cider party next summer and everyone's going to come round and have to drink my cider no matter how bad it is. We'll all have plastered on smiles. Jenny, thanks so much. (laughs) So I've got a very fun story today. It's about a man named Gobin Seer, an Irishman who was an excellent skilled craftsman. 
and while he was from Ireland, he often crosses the sea to appear in Scottish folklore, especially in the Western Isles. Gobin Seer was said to be so skilled at carpentry that he could cut a plank of wood to the perfect size without even measuring it, and it would always fit together where it was meant to go seamlessly. Ooh, that's nice. That's real nice. I wish I could do that. Gobin Seer had a son, Seamus, who had followed his father into the carpentry trade, and the pair were commissioned to work on a new bank that was getting built. But... Govin Seer saw a chance to skim some extra silver or perhaps even some gold from this job. Because it was just him and his son doing all of the woodwork, all of the carpentry for the whole bank building, he came up with a cunning scheme. And so he whispered to his boy, Let's put a secret door in here where no one will notice. It means we can return and rob the bank whenever we want and they'll never know who did it or how we got in. Wow, Dad, that's a great idea. How could this plan ever go wrong? And so, Gobin Seer and Seamus built a door that was completely hidden in the wood. It would give them free access to the bank whenever they pleased, and it couldn't be spotted by the naked eye. When the bank building was finished, they were very well paid for their service, because they were excellent carpenters after all. However, once the bank had opened and began its operations, the clerks noticed that something wasn't quite right. Money wasn't adding up. It was as though it kept vanishing. At first, it was very small amounts, the kind that could be chalked down to human error, a few silver coins missing here and there. However, one day, a large deposit of gold simply disappeared from a locked room. And no one knew how this could have happened because none of the bank's staff had been in or out that day. And so the bank manager got in touch with his local henwife to help him out, Meg the Wise. Ah, yes, Meg the Wise, the Aldi take of Mystic Meg. manager told of his predicament of disappearing cash and Meg advised him that Judging by the alignment of Jupiter, Venus and Uranus, something tells me that there must be a hidden entry point somewhere in the building. Now the manager agreed but he had no idea how to find the weak spot in his building so Meg suggested that they could completely seal the bank Close all the known doors as tightly as you can and seal up any drafts. Then light a fire in a cauldron with wet wood that will cause a great deal of smoke. If the building is properly secured, then the smoke will only come out of the secret door and thus its location will be revealed. I hear security experts actually still recommend the old wet wood cauldron fire trick. It's uh, right up there with a ring doorbell. (laughs) Well, the bank manager did as he was told and the plan worked perfectly because they quickly found the mysterious door and also luckily managed not to burn the bank down in the process. That is nice considering how much carpentry is in there. (laughs) However, despite finding the secret door, they had no idea who the thieves actually were. Huh. So they went back 
and asked Meg the Wise for advice again. And she told them to pretend that they knew nothing about the door, but instead set a trap underneath it. They got the old trusty cauldron out again and they boiled up some pitch until it was thick and as sticky as anything in the known universe. Stickier even than a toddler's little hand. Mm. And then they put this cauldron of pitch right under the opening of the secret door. Meg the Wise then told the bank manager that he needed to take her to the local alehouse where he would buy her a nice glass of cider and then she could loudly boast about the amount of gold coins that she had just deposited in the bank that day. Despite their cider being terrible and clearly made of rotten apples, I have not a care in the world, for I have just deposited the most gold I've ever deposited. Coins, bags of it, jewellery, bullions, the lot. I've put it all safely stored in the brand new bank. And oh, I hope it stays there for life (laughs) and never moves an inch, not an inch. (laughs) Well, it just so happened that the walls had ears, or rather, Gobin Seer did. And as soon as he heard Meg's boasty, boasty gold boast, he decided he needed to have an impromptu heist that night. Enrolling his son in their greedy robbery, Gobin silently opened the secret door to the bank. However, upon taking a step through the door, he fully fell into the cauldron of tar just his head poking out the top of the pitch. His son looked on, aghast and appalled. Father, how can I get you out of the cauldron? He screamed in a panic, but Gobin Seer was grave. My dear boy, the tar is too sticky. You'll never get me out of this cauldron of pitch, but you can still get away without getting caught. Once they catch me here, they'll soon come to you to see where we hid the gold. They'll send me to the gallows, no doubt, and you'll be joining me. Seamus pleaded. But I can't simply leave you, father. You'll have to do more than that, boy. Cut off my head. With the rest of my body covered in pitch, they won't be able to identify me at all. You'll get away free. Whatever happens, I'll be dead. Let them find a headless body in this cauldron. Then I'll have the last laugh. Just make sure, my son, to hide my head somewhere it'll never be found. And so, with a messy midnight decapitation, Gobin Seer sacrificed himself so that his son could escape. And so Seamus ran away, clutching onto his father's smiling head and a big bag of all the bank's money. Because every cloud has a silver lining. Because every severed head has a silver lining. (laughs) (laughs) when the bank manager found the headless body the next day still in the cauldron of pitch he was baffled had the thief been some kind of headless horseman he went to Meg the Wise once more who explained everybody had a head you just need to find his and if you find his you'll have his accomplices too She also came up with a new plan to find the severed head. Pigs have the snout to find the answer. Let the pigs smell the man's blood, and then they'll be able to seek out the head. Ah, I see what they're doing here. The old piggy bank trick. (laughs) (laughs) The 
bank manager recruited the local swineherd and his three dashing pigs to snuffle out the head like some kind of sinister truffle made of human corpse. <laughs> the pigs were a wee bit weirded out by the situation, but they obliged because they were professionals, and so they set their snouts on it. Sneaky Seamus saw the three pig detectives strutting down the street with their little noses to the cobbles like they were in CSI. Ah yes, the cool swain investigators. <laughs> and he panicked. He had hidden the head under the floorboards, but he knew that this would be no barrier for Constable Porky and her well-trained snout. They were crackling down on crime, Annie. Seamus is about to get ambushed. <laughs> <laughs> and so he channeled his father and hatched a cunning scheme. Seamus took a stool and he placed it over the spot on the floor where he'd hidden the head. Then he grabbed his cobbler kit and began pretending to repair one of his shoes. Just before the pigs arrived at his door, he sliced his hand with his knife. When the swineherd saw that the pigs were rushing to Seamus, at first they thought this must be where the head is hidden, and then they saw the fresh blood that had been drawn by this poor man just trying to repair his shoe. So it must have been the fresh blood that the pigs were sniffing, and not the buried head. However, the pigs oinked furiously. Oh, no. The pigs almost solved the mystery. That one's a stretch. I'll give you that. (laughs) (laughs) But no matter how in tune the swineherd was with his pigs, he could not understand what their oinks were meaning. And yet, the story gets worse. Seamus offered the swineherd a nice little dram of whiskey and a slice of meat pie. And of course, the swineherd was like, aye, that sounds delicious, and sat down at the table to gobble this all up. But while the swineherd was distracted with these delicacies, Seamus hid all of the pigs. When the swineherd finally noticed that all of their best pigs were missing, Seamus denied seeing the three little piggies go anywhere at all. Not to market, not to home, and definitely not hiding in his shed. So, because no one else had independent thoughts in this village, the swineherd went to Meg the Wise and asked how they could find their pigs. Well, son, bank robbery is a crime, but pig theft is a whole different level. We'll need to get the soldiers involved for this one. With this, the bank manager raised the issue that they still had not caught the culprit who had stolen all of the money from the bank. Ah, fear not. We'll catch the person who stole the gold by finding the pig thief, for they are one and the same. The soldiers, though, will need to be clever. They should visit every house in the village and ask for hospitality. And believe me, whoever stole the pigs will offer them pork. And this plan worked. Lo and behold, when the soldiers went to Seamus's house, he offered them a delicious bacon sandwich with, of course, lettuce and tomato. But when he was only halfway through describing his sourdough bread, the soldiers jumped up and declared, Aha! We've got the swine smuggler! Fetch those prohibited pigs now! Seamus looked ashamed and promised that he would go outside and get the pigs. However, instead of going to get the secret swines, instead he snuck to his neighbour's house 
and started a rumour that there were soldiers in the village who were there to evict everyone from their homes. Rightfully appalled by the idea of being cleared from their homes, the villagers took out their frustration with the kind of violence you would expect of a serial killer. One by one, they chucked all of the soldiers off a cliff, which isn't a method of dealing with your problems that I would recommend. With this, Seamus would never be discovered. However, the bank manager, Meg the Wise, and the swineherd all went looking for the soldiers, who hadn't returned for several days. When they asked around the village, not a single person would admit to ever having seen a soldier in all of their lives. In despair, the bank manager pleaded with Meg the Wise for a solution, and so, with a sigh, she said, You should offer the thief the hand of your daughter in marriage. That'll be a surefire way to find him. The bank manager waited until the next big gathering in the village hall and announced that if the culprit came forward, he would marry them to his daughter. And with this, Seamus grinned from ear to ear because the bank manager had a lovely daughter who Seamus got along with very well. So he put up his hand and he declared, It's me. Hi, I'm the robber. It's me. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, he married the bank manager's daughter and they had roast pork at the wedding. So, wait, (laughs) he just gets away with it? Well, he can't kill your son-in-law. I, <laughs> I mean, I guess. Are you really going to give it to Seamus? He went the whole hog. <laughs> but I do have to question Meg the Wise's wisdom because upon discovering the secret door, she didn't deduce that it was clearly the carpenters who had built the entire place, including the door, who were the ones stealing from the bank. It's like, come on, Meg the Wise, it's in your name. <laughs> I don't know, Jenny. I really like this story. It's one of the old traditional ones. Bits of it don't really make sense, but I think that's what makes it so jolly to be told. Good old folklore logic. It's pork fiction. (laughs) Catch me if you am. Reservoir hogs. (laughs) It's the hog father. You come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding and tell me that you're the one that robbed the bank? (laughs) (laughs) Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This little story that I have comes from Mull, and it's more an oral history than folklore, but it's still a wonderful tale of youthful innocence, trickery, and death. It was told by a man named Dougal McCormick, who was recounting a tale from his youth. When he was a lad of 16 or 17, he had been away working in Glasgow for the summer, and when work slowed down over the winter months, he decided he'd head home and spend the cold times with his parents. But it wasn't an easy journey home, for on his boat back to Mull, a huge storm swept in and threw the wee steamer and all the folk on board around like ragdolls. Water was sloshing around ankles. Everyone was horribly seasick, and prayers in both English and Gaelic could be heard. But luckily... The boat just about made it to harbour on Mull, and Dougal just about made it home to his parents. The next morning, the weather had cleared, and Dougal thought he'd stretch his legs and go hunting along the shores to see if anything good had washed up in the storm. Well, he and everyone else on Mull was in luck, for although Dougal's boat had made it safely to harbour, an American cargo ship had not been so lucky. It had capsized in the storm, and all on board had to be rescued. But while the people were safe, the cargo had spilled out into the sea and had been washed upon the shores of Mull. Oh, what was it? Motorcycles? Rubber ducks? Um, no, it was decidedly more turn-of-the-century things. It was apples. You see... The whole harbour was filled with bright red bobbing apples, and although Halloween had already passed, oh my, did the folk of Mull go apple-duking that day. By nightfall, every household on the island had a barrel or two of apples in it, and throughout the whole winter, there wasn't a day that went by where every schoolchild on the island didn't have an apple in their satchel. The doctor would clearly have been kept away. (laughs) He had a very quiet winter indeed. Has anyone considered giving everyone a barrel of apples as a way to save the NHS? (laughs) Jenny, don't say that too loudly. The Tories will privatise your apples. (laughs) They can hive my cider. I'll probably kill them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the next day, after the apples had all been rounded up and the doctors scared far away, Dougal decided to go out once more but this time to a more remote part of the island to see if anything else good had washed up over there. He got up very early so as to beat any other scavengers and headed out over the boggy, grouse-filled moors of Mull. When he got to the beach, it was so dark that he couldn't see Iona, but he scoured the sands nonetheless. And after some time, He spotted something long and white lying in the distance. He approached it and bent down to roll it over, but oh, with a horrible squelch, he put his thumb right in the eye of a dead man. Yuck! Yuck, Jenny! This... (laughs) I I was... 
no, no. That is exactly what Dougal thought. <laughs> and in a frantic panic, he stumbled backwards and turned and sprinted away. He ran over the bogs and moors and back to his home, where breathless and white as a sheet, he told his father that he had discovered the naked body of a drowned man. His father was shocked. He thought all of the crew from the crashed American cargo ship had been saved. But no, here one seems to have tragically drowned and been washed ashore. And so Dougal, his dad and a family friend called Angus set out to retrieve the body. But instead of trudging all the way back over land to the beach, they decided to sail. For then it would be much easier to transport the poor dead fellow back into the village. When they reached the beach, Dougal kept far away from the body, but he pointed at it with tears in his eyes and said, That's him. That's the man. Dougal watched his father and Angus approach the corpse, hats lowered out of respect. But he was astounded to see his father throw his hat on the ground and then start dancing upon it. Angus too began to bellow with laughter, and Dougal grew confused and angry. He stormed over to see why these men were being so disrespectful to the dead. Well, it wasn't until he was right by its side, with the sun now up and shining brightly, that Dougal saw that this was not the body of a dead man, but rather the body of a dead pig. Oh, what relief he felt, and he too let out a nervous laugh that soon turned into a howl that joined the others. The pig was freshly dead, and it must have been aboard the American ship and washed ashore, so the men figured that it was best not to let it go to waste. They put it on a stretcher, carried it to the boat, and then sailed back to the village. But as they were approaching the harbour, they saw that the whole village had come out to see who this dead man was, for word travels fast in wee places like this, and soon people from other villages were arriving too. Upon seeing the crowd forming, the three men on board the boat decided to have some fun. They threw a sail over the stretcher, covering the pig, and when they arrived on shore, they mournfully hauled it up onto their shoulders as though it were a lost sailor. All the men in the crowd removed their hats, and a wee fishwife asked, The poor man, do you know where he's from? Ah, said Angus, it is not a he at all, but a she. A she? A woman? Oh, the poor lady, how did she end up out there? What kind of clothes is she wearing? Ah, she was as naked as the day she was born, Angus said. Oh, what a shame, what a shame! Where will you bury her, Angus? Oh, I'm sure she'll be buried in many different places. Horrified at this, the woman cried, How terrible! How awful! How would you like something like that to happen to your own daughters? Ah... I don't like it for my own daughters at all. But for this old lass, ach, well. Here, son, will you go over there and fetch my big knife? Oh, what do you need a big knife for? cried the woman. Well, it'll be easier to bury her in pieces, believe me. At this, cries of outrage flowed through the crowd. Oh, brutal brute, how cruel is it in your heart? We must bury the poor woman in the cemetery. Oh no, said Angus. That would only make it more expensive. We would have to get her a coffin and everything. No, 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 believe me, it's better to cut her up first. 
Such uproar was now spreading through the crowd that the minister himself pushed his way to the front, Bible in hand. At this, the men sensed their fun was up, and the three of them lowered the stretcher and whipped back the sail to reveal the body of a pig. As soon as the crowd realised that they'd all been had, they laughed and put their hats back on. The big knife was indeed fetched, and the pig was cut up and divvied amongst the folk there. And all went home and had pork with applesauce that night, and forevermore told the tale of the pork and the apples. Well, Jenny, that was only a mildly traumatic story. <laughs> hey, your one had decapitation <laughs> and serial murder. <laughs> There's an old Gallic phrase that goes, the fat pig needs no butter, meaning that if you've had a weird episode, you've probably had enough. <laughs> And I feel like we've had our fill of pigs today, Jenny. Yes, I agree. But seeing as we're gearing up for festive season, I have one last little bit of folklore for you. Back in the day, when a pig was killed and hung up at Christmas, ready to be prepared for a big feast, the folk would stick as many knives and forks in it as they could. This was to protect it from the thieving hands of fairies, who delighted in stealing free meat around the holidays. So, if you're having pork this Christmas, make sure and stab it with a fork. That's classic. Use your metal, use your iron to keep the fairies away, isn't it? You know what they're like, these fairies, Annie. They're always hogging the limelight. (laughs) (laughs) They really know how to ham it up during the festive season. (laughs) And with that, thank you all so much for listening to Stories of Scotland. If you would like to help me and Jenny bring home the bacon, you can join our Patreon. For the price of a pack of sausages a month, you can get some bonus content and keep this podcast nice and fat and ready to be slaughtered at Christmas. Wait, what? (laughs) A massive thanks to all our patrons, old and new. This week we're welcoming... Ben, Anna and Hugo. Thank you all so much, you wonderful people. May you receive all the blessings of pigs and apples. And may your truffles always be found. Until next time, Slangeva. Slangeva. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. 